There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on Friday the 5th of March 2010. For the newcomers, you should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites and you'll find hundreds of audio talks I've given over the years for free downloads. And when you're there, bookmark all the other sites I have up there for future use because when the big one goes down or doesn't allow me to upload anymore, which sometimes happens for a while, then you can always download the latest shows by having the alternate sites. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.com.net.us.ca. There's Alan Watts, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's also cuttingthroughthematrix.org and Alan AlanWattsSentinel.eu, which is the European site, has all the same audios for downloads and it has the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given for print up and you can choose from a variety of the languages of Europe. Uh, there's also cuttingthrough.jenkness.com as well. That's another one I have up there. I put all these sites up because I was having so much trouble with main servers. Uh, just uh, Even though it was an unlimited uh, uh, bandwidth and upload and all the rest of it, they weren't uploading them and it would take them weeks to find out this mysterious, miraculous problem that only I seem to have. So that's why they're all up there for future use. And this is a tin can moment, the empty tin can. Listen, it's quiet. You don't hear it rattling, you see. And that's because I need you to donate to me or buy the books and so on I have for sale to keep me going along. If I take money from advertisers, then I'm technically compromised. In a sense, I have to bring on people uh, to basically sell products. And that's what they are. They're one-hour ads sometimes. That's how most shows make their money. The ads on this show that you hear are paid directly by advertisers to RBM, which pays for this airtime and their staff and their board ops, uh, their bills, and the transmission of the show as well. So it's up to you to keep me going. You can do so by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, getting the books and discs, etc. I have for sale, or donating from the U.S. Remember, personal checks are good to Canada. You can also use international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. And you've got to stress international when you buy it. You can use uh, cash, saying cash, or you can use Western Union or MoneyGram. Uh, PayPal as well. If you want to order the books, you can also uh, send uh, a separate email along with a PayPal donation, and I'll get them to you. Outside the Americas, it's the same deal. Western Union, Union um, MoneyGram. Cash or PayPal for both ordering and donating. Separate email along with it for a purchase, and I'll get it out to you. Those who just get the disc burned and passed to them, no surprise if any are doing this now. They're off computers. They play them on their CD players. Uh, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P for Peter, 3, E for Elizabeth, 4, N for Nora, 1, P, 3, E, 4, N, 1. 
And that's that spiel done there. And I won't toot my horn and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, we are really going into... We're already in a totalitarian regime. We have been for a long time. It's just that the, the media didn't announce it to us in such a manner. And only a few people really in the world... Uh, for the last 50 odd years or more have been aware uh, those, and I should say outside of those who are actually doing it, only a few people have been aware of what was really happening we don't care much when we're living through the good times and having fun as, as it's been promoted, especially from the 60s onwards, just have fun and meanwhile the big boys were rampaging ahead with organisation foundations and NGOs back with more after this break This is Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Everyone in this system is used in turn to always achieve another step up the ladder of the agenda, and very often they're disposed of afterwards. Only a few get higher up, uh, if it depends how prominent they are, how, how needed they are by those that run the system that we're really into now. And now most countries have felt the, uh, pretty well uh, a much fuller impact of the whole greening and cutback and the, the new economy and so on than the U.S. has. I mean, the U.S. has been hammered, mind you, uh, and the old, uh, the old districts and areas and cities that used to be manufacturing really are, be, are literally are being flattened. I mean, literally. And uh, but, however, there's still an awful lot of people in, in other cities who live in the service economies where they pass the bucks around, and it hasn't really hit them yet, that's what's happening. But in Europe, it's really really banging them away there as the new system, which is not democratic. And I've explained that so many times, that the big think tanks that work for the United Nations, like the Club of Rome, said that uh, democracy was really in the way of, of what they called progress, which means their plan. That's what they mean by progress. So... Uh, they're not even messing around anymore where they can find members of parliaments in the European parliaments for for just uh, contradicting Mr. Rompuy at the top. You get massive fines. And if you can't really uh, give a slanging match or have a slanging match with politicians, then what much... That's the only fun you got out of them was, was the, the name-calling and stuff because they weren't good for much else. But uh, now they get fined for doing it, so they're dictatorial. That's the new system we're into. And to understand the system, I keep uh, emphasizing, you can't understand the system if you're living off daily new fear, new fear. Every day the mainstream will churn out new fears for you. You've got to understand the history of this. You've got to understand how far back it goes. You've got to understand the big uh, banking institutions and, and their foundations and NGOs that have been working steadily, private organizations working steadily, parallel with government, they are a parallel government, to bring in this new totalitarian world system with the so-called uh, redistribution of wealth, which means just taking from uh, people who are able to live without cockroaches in the Western world and uh, and uh, take all their extra cash off them and send it off to the third world. And it doesn't go to the people in the third world either. It's a, it's a means of impoverishment across the board. Uh, that's really what it's all about, flattening us down, getting us used to less expectations in life, and the creme de la creme 
as they say, the top will uh, simply be the new nomadic class. They'll serve the higher world bureaucracy. They'll be nomadic because they'll travel from international city to international city, working for the world society. The rest of us will be stuck with our penned enclaves under the guise of terrorism, and uh, eventually you won't be able to move out, in fact, of your own area when the the proper uh, regional IDs come out. That's how the Soviet system worked, and that is what they're emulating right down to a T. But wherever they go, uh, as, as the U.S. is used, that's why the U.S., as I say, hasn't been flattened as badly yet as the rest of the world and Europe, because the U.S. is still putting up the, the military and the machines and using the taxpayers' money to furnish it all to standardize the last few countries in the world who aren't too happy about going under this world dictatorship. And once it's done, though, they'll pull the last of the stops out. They've already pulled a few out, but there's there's some to go yet. They can be done so easily. It can be done overnight if they want another crash, in fact. And they've already put into bills through the present administration in the U.S. They've put into bills uh, new means of quickly bailing out the banks when, not not if, but when it happens again. So they can pull it when they want to. But wherever this modern army goes, if you can, it's just a mercenary army as far as I'm concerned. I don't see any idealism in it at all on behalf of the troops. But wherever they go, and we've seen this in various countries, Bosnia and elsewhere, they leave all this depleted uranium behind them and there's birth defects all over the place. Here's another article out of Iraq here, and it's from the Mail Online. It's called The Curse of Fallujah. Women warned not to have babies because of rise in birth defects since the U.S. assault. This is 5th of March. A high number of children are being born with birth defects in an Iraqi city where U.S. forces may have used chemical weapons during a fierce battle in 2004. The Fallujah children are being born with limb, head, heart, and nervous system defects. There's even a claim that a baby was born with three heads. Uh, I've known of two occasionally that, that happens that way. number of heart defects amongst newborn babies is said to be 13 times higher than the rates in Europe. And then it shows you some photographs of um, children with uh, limbs missing and all the rest of it. The city, 40 miles west of Baghdad, was a scene of some of the fiercest fighting of the Iraq War in late 2004. U.S. Marines led Operation Phantom Fury to recapture it from insurgents. British troops were involved in manning checkpoints on the outskirts of the city as the Americans went in. The U.S. has admitted that it used white phosphorus in the attack, but only as an illumination device. <laughs> yeah, right. Under international law, it's illegal to, if used as an offensive weapon. This is to get you off the track of the depleted uranium, which the, the coats, the, the uh, shells, the heavier shells with, and uh, it's got an awful long half-life and all the rest of it. It's there forever, basically, as far as we're concerned. It says here, um, oh yeah, it does mention depleted uranium weapons against insurgents, such as bunkster, uh, bunker buster bombs. They love these terms, don't they? Both types of weapons can contaminate crops and water supplies. Well, see, they knew all this before they did it, because they already had the evidence from where they'd been before. Uh, so it's obvious that they want to bring these people down. Another side effect of this, too, is that it causes, uh, in a lot of the population, sterilization. Because it's radiation, you see. And it causes a lot of cancers of uh, ovaries, uh, uh, testes, and all the rest of it as well.
So this is the agenda, take down the third world, as you call it, or countries that are not too happy about being dominated by someone else from outside. And this makes, makes perfect war sense. If you're out on all out for war, it makes perfect sense as, as to what they're doing. Now, I've talked about land for debt swap for years because that was a United Nations idea. They, they, they promoted it at first. In fact, they've already got a lot of land under the UN under land for debt swap through the IMF banks. And it says, um, here's an article here where Greece has been told by Germany uh, to uh, sell Corfu, the island, and other ones to pay off its debt. It says, we give you cash, you give us Corfu. German members of parliament suggest Greece, Greece sell its islands and the Acropolis to pay off its debt. This is something you'd think was a joke, but it's not. 5th of March, they've often been accused of hogging the, the Soningers and taking over the beaches, now as if to confirm their rather boorish reputation when it comes to grabbing a place in the sun, the Germans have suggested they buy up entire Greek islands. Corfu has been suggested as one target, although a slightly more practical suggestion is one of the country's thousands of small and unpopulated islets. I wonder just how unpopulated they are. Sail on the island would help Greece pay off its huge national debt, says German MPs. And most of the, the, the German MPs over there work for the German banks. They're big, they're big too, those banks. The suggestion by Marco Wanderwitz and Frank Schaeffler added fuel to the feuding between the countries over how Greece will tackle its deficit. The Greek state must sell stakes in companies and also assets such as unpopulated islands, said Mr. Schaeffler a finance policy expert in the Free Democrats, a junior partner in Chancellor Angela Merkel's coalition. They also added that Athens should provide collateral for any money it receives from the European Union to help it get out of its debt crisis. Now, you're going to see this happening more and more all over the place, including the US. It's, I think it's already happening in Britain, where they've sold off uh, seaports and, and the towns that go with them to private corporations. And that's also how they do it, is through selling to private corporations. You see. Remember, this is the new feudal system we're living under. And Carol Quigley, a book that people must read, is Tragedy and Hope. And it's more telling one as to the whys of things and who's behind it all, which is his own group, in fact, that he worked for. He is um, uh, the Anglo-American establishment. He said the new system that's coming in is a feudal system where the new feudal overlords will be the CEOs of international corporations. Now, I've talked before, too, of how pre-pubertal sexual um, shenanigans, put it that way, uh, is, was promoted through schools. And it wasn't, it's an old idea that was worked out by people like Lord Bertrand Russell a long time ago in experimental schools. The idea being, if they could encourage um, really... Uh, obsessive, you might say, obsessive thoughts of sex before puberty and help and actually encourage them to engage in these acts, uh, then the more partners they have, the less chance they would have of mating for life with anyone or having children. They don't want children being born, you see, that's always been a part of it. Now here's a, an article here, I've read so many in the past, I've lost count, uh, is the school systems, which it's, it's their job to do this and promote this stuff, uh, do it again. And it's Mail Online. Parents' anger after a class of seven-year-olds is shown graphic sex cartoon at school. 5th of March. A mother has taken her seven-year-old daughter out of school. Seven years old. 
after he was made to watch a cartoon showing a couple chasing each other around a bed and having sex. Seven- and eight-year-old pupils watched the controversial Channel 4 sex education DVD Living and Growing at their village primary school. A voiceover on the DVD describes the sex as exciting. Lisa Bullivant from Legburn, Lincolnshire, was so upset with the graphic content, she took her daughter out of East World Primary School and placed her with another school. Mr. Bullivant said the cartoon was very graphic. My daughter was frightened, and children have unfortunately been copying what they have seen. Exactly. Of course they do. That's what it's all for. (laughs) Why do you think there's way more of it going on? Why do you think much music shows nothing but uh, sex, 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 sex? Just do it. And little children emulate back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just showing you the techniques. That are, that's all I do, I do really over the years is to show you the techniques that are used and tell you what's going to happen and sit and wait till it happens and then tell you what's happened. Because this is an agenda we're living through. And it's a, a scientifically designed agenda. We're all going through it. And so much of it is aimed at the, the young to do with uh, sustainability and don't have children and even offer yourself up for suicide if necessary and also be sterilized, come forth and save Mother Earth. But meanwhile, like Julian Huxley said, he says this society, and I read it from his own book before, uh, can basically have more sex than they ever had before. They can rut like rabbits, but um, but uh, they'll have no children. They'll be sterile, basically. And that's what they've been encouraging, is pre-pubertal sex. Now, here's an article that ties in with the last one from the Telegraph. Extra small condoms for 12-year-old boys to go on sale in Switzerland. It's going to be all over Europe, too. They're moving out from there. It says, um, March the 3rd, called the hot shot. The condom has been produced after government research showed 12 to 14-year-olds did not use sufficient protection when having sex. Well, you wonder why they're all doing it. Uh, well, I don't know where your heads have been if you ask that question if you've watched television or movies at all over the years, uh, and watch it getting worse and worse, plus, the, as I say, the much music that's everywhere in the videos, uh, that's all it's about, is sex, sex, sex. Listen to the words if you understand them, and what they call music now. This is a study conducted on behalf of the Federal Commission for Children and Youth interviewed 1,480 people aged 10 years old to 20. And then it was in, there's a whole list of links here showing you pregnancy rates are skyrocketing and yada, yada, yada in the younger age groups. Then it says it showed more that more 12 to 14 year olds were having sex in comparison with the 1990s. So these studies you see really show those at the top that their plan is working. That's what it's really for. It's not for me to complain about. It's to show you that their plans are actually working. Now, 12-year-olds are having more sex in comparison with the 1990s. And, of course, we're having more in 1990s and 1980s, and etc., etc. The hotshot condoms, which cost uh, £4.70 for a pack of six, have been created by Lambrecht AG, a leading condom manufacturer in Switzerland. And they're also moving out into Britain and elsewhere, where they've got, I think Britain's got the highest um, very young teen pregnancy rates in the whole of Europe. So... When you destroy the cultures and all the rest of it, you have no morals to stand by, and then you replace them, as I say, with uh, uh, the new values, and it's the values of the state exactly, again, like Huxley said they would be. The state would give them their values. These are the new values, 
and when they're not bonding to anybody, uh, lots of acquaintances you might say, but no bonding, then no one stands up for anyone else when the big boys come for you. That's really what it's about too. H.G. Wells said they'd have to do that back in the 1920s. When government can talk directly down to you with no interference from groups or even family standing around you, then you will do what you're told. You will obey. Now, there's a caller from Louisiana. Larry, are you there, Larry? Can you hear me? Hi, Alan. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, they don't just uh, coat the shells with uh, depleted uranium. A 105-millimeter gun, which is a 4-inch cannon, has a 9-pound solid, what they call, teardrop penetrator in it. I know because I put them on in 82 in the Federal Republic of Germany. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so when when it passes through a, a target, an enemy vehicle, a tank, when it passes through it, about half of it is aerosolized, and the other half chunks out on the other side and cools off. So you can see what a mess of shooting tons of that kind of ammunition would do. Yes. And also, when they gave it to us, the the next day they took all of our what they call radiac meters, you know, for reading radiation, Geiger counters and all that. They took it all away from us and said we didn't need that stuff anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, really. really. I, I, I saw an, uh, an interview on television about U.S. Uh, soldiers who were assigned to recover uh, damaged tanks, and every one of them uh, said that when they were up to them, they were, they were coated with a whitish powder, sometimes inside, sometimes outside as well, f- from these shells, and they thought nothing of it, of course. They were told everything was safe, and uh, every one of these guys, including the guy who was narrating, uh, had multiple tumors. They all had cancers. Well, here's what they told us in 82. They called us down for a briefing. And the penetrators themselves did not belong to the United States Army. They were shuffled into Germany uh, under uh, secrecy and quietness so that the Green Party wouldn't gripe about more nukes in Germany. And they told us that if if the round burns, if your tank burns now, you must be two kilometers upwind because if you take one breath from the smoke of burning depleted uranium, you will get sick anywhere from two weeks to 20 years. Yes, in fact, we had troops coming back to Canada uh, from Iraq, uh, a Gulf War One, actually it was, and uh, I think it was in one of the magazines here, Life magazine uh, in Canada, and they showed you uh, one of the troopers with his son. Uh, the, the trooper himself had multiple problems. He had these terrible skin rashes and, and uh, cancer setting in, but so had his son. So had his son. And some of the, the, the wives were actually, I guess it's a transmission of fluids, uh, during the, the usual married couple, um, uh, the, the wives were getting um, massive irritations down below as well, and they put down to genetic alterations in the sperm. The same thing happened to the Japanese, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and their children came out with short arms and short legs. Hey, on another, I just, I'm down in Louisiana, let me just change the subject a little bit, but it's interesting. They, the Department of Motor Vehicles no longer has a manual for you to go take the driver's test. You have to buy the manual or go to a school. And and so I looked it up, and I found the manual online, and it says right in it that you have to surrender your driver's license to any military officer or agent. Hold on. Hold on there, and we'll come back with you after the break, will you? That's a good topic. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix talking to Larry from Louisiana who's mentioning the, the updates, the changes in the driving uh, courses and licensing and so on. Uh, carry on, Larry. Yeah, uh, the uh, Louisiana, the book to, that you have to study now to take the written test says right in it that you must surrender your, your driver's license to any military officer or agent. So I guess if a Russian private asked me for my driver's license, i got to give it to him. You're right on. You're right on with that, yeah. <laughs> it also says that driving is a privilege, not a right. Says it right. Oh, so you become British after all, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've had that stuff in Britain forever. And the same thing, you buy the manual and all the rest of it. And you, I think, I, think um, I mean, Russia also has, I think, uh, some... Uh, something to do with NATO as well. So the NATO troops will come in with all those uh, Soviet bloc countries, uh, ex-Soviet blocs, and they've already had them in Scotland, by the way. They've had exercises in Scotland where uh, uh, tourists were getting stopped by foreigners that couldn't speak English, and it really scared the, the bejesus out of them. And uh, it turned out they were from Czechoslovakia or somewhere, and that was in the major media too. So that's coming to America big time, yeah. Yeah, we're coming to a country near you. Okay, Alan, well, I appreciate your show. I listen to you all the time. Have a good one. You too. Take yeah, care. Yeah, Yakishio Watkins. That's my native tongue. Righto. <laughs> and now we'll go to Diana in California. Are you there, Diana? Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, yeah, sorry. I didn't hear the first part of the show. I, um, anyway, my question is, I wonder if you could talk about SSRIs, you know, the antidepressant, anti-anxieties, and people who've been on them, perhaps the withdrawal. Um, the reason I ask is because I'm very close to a person who is on uh, Paxil for eight years, literally uh-huh. took four times the dose that he should for nine years. So anyway, he went cold turkey, got off it, and we went through two years of incredible, massive withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But in one of your talks, you talked about how it lodges in the long bones and that it may not ever be able to go away. And I think at one time you also mentioned that it, it alters the chemistry in the brain. So I was just wondering if you could elaborate on that. and mm-hmm. Well, these drugs, uh, these particular drugs are, uh, again, more potent than the old types, the old Valiums and, and the Libriums and stuff that they used to uh, throw out there at the public. Remember, too, that Big Pharma is to be part of the New World Order, and uh, Huxley and all those guys talked about it as, as going to be that way. So this, this is all part of it. It started back in the 60s, big time, with the, the tranquilizers. One time, three-quarters of the housewives in Britain were on them. They're just throwing them out like candy. Uh, but those particular drugs, the, the, the Valium-type drugs and Valium-related, those ones are the ones who, that will lodge in the, the long bones, in the marrow, basically. They can take up to five years to leach out of your system, and you can have withdrawals and panic attacks for five years as this stuff is leaching out of you. Now, the, the, the other ones they're talking about here, though, um, again, are, they've been well studied. I had a, a video on an inquiry up in my website in the archive section. If I can find it, I'll pull it up. Uh, a link to a video where they did a, a government inquiry into, and it was all uh, people, uh, adults who'd lost either a wife or a husband, or sometimes one guy lost his wife and the children because the wife turned guns uh, on herself and the children. And people were doing crazy things because it can cause a sudden uh, drop uh, into dark depression very, very quickly. And obviously they're not rational during that time, and they, they do crazy things. 
uh, also these drugs enter uh, will interrelate with anything else like like uh, any other drug or even alcohol which is a drug and so it interrelates uh, with alcohol yes all these all these drugs do and what happens is your liver uh, your liver has to break up all chemicals and drugs which comes into your body so that it can be broken down and goes back into the stream taken out by the kidneys to, for excretion. But uh, things like, especially the Valium types and a lot of these new uh, uh, heavy antidepressants that will do a similar thing. Um, you're, you're, see, they tend to switch on and off certain uh, chemicals in your brain or, or actual even hormones itself as well. And that's what I was talking about last night, epigenomics. Um, you can switch things on and off. Well, your liver will often take a, a particular drug, store it up for a while. When alcohol comes into the body, it will put that drug on hold. It will stop uh, uh, um, cutting it up and, and um, um, processing it. It will go through the alcohol first. And as soon as alcohol is dying out of your body, it then pumps all that drug in, in right into your bloodstream. Uh, as, as though you'd taken an overdose, and then then people go crazy. They, they can go into a rage. They can go into a rage, uh, or a dark depression, or a suicide, or even a homicidal rage. And that that kind of stuff came out at the, some of these meetings of held. You know. Yeah, I would. If you could find that link, that would be great because it'd be a great help to me. I'll try and put it up at the end of the night. So it's in my archive section, but I'll see if I can find it. Thank you. So. You were talking about alcohol. I'm, I'm just thinking of this person that I know, when he was taking the Paxil for so long, in his mind, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but he felt, he started drinking very, very heavily, and he felt that the alcohol somehow helped. Now, he can't explain how or why or whatever, but the Paxil is now gone. It's been done for five or six years now but the alcohol remains you're saying that the alcohol will go into the liver get processed through but when the alcohol is done the the paxil or whatever chemical will come back up and and reactivate in the body so yeah it's almost like you're just taking an overdose of it and they can go crazy on it uh and these things as say all all affect some various chemicals in in the brain uh uh, the serotonin levels etc uh, something people should not interfere with at all. Uh, I've noticed they've put the similar drugs into even painkillers now. Certain painkillers are using this as well. And uh, all animals and even insects um, uh, for fight and flight, for normal fight and flight survivalism, uh, uh, they actually increase their serotonin levels uh, for fight and flight to make you more normal and aware. Uh, this stuff is suppressing it. And so really, you're not really... Um, fully all there at, at all times at all, or meeting responses, having normal responses to situations while you're on them. You know. Yeah, he used to he used to explain it as though he were looking through the world through like a thick plexiglass. Yes, exactly. Green, yeah. and that it just didn't emotionally affect him. But mm-hmm. my observations after the fact with the withdrawal is like it. It almost amplified and exaggerated all of all of the emotions that you and I would consider yeah. normal. That, that, that's what it does. That's what it does. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and there's something else I was thinking about too. His his memories after going cold turkey, which everybody you know don't do that. There's ways that you can do it safer, but this is just how he chose to. 
Um, his memory at first would come back in these just ex- explosive, tiny little clips. Mm-hmm. And as time has gone on, the memories are coming back more fuller, more complete, less mm-hmm. emotional. And and I got to wondering, uh, obviously it affects memory. Do you mm-hmm. have any data on that or information? Yeah, they, they've done surveys on them because they looked at some of these particular drugs when the military, and not too long ago last year, they were talking about drugs coming on the market that will help get a, a, to eliminate painful memories. And they've even made movies about it. But uh, some high blood pressure medication long-term will do the same thing. But um, uh, what it does, it gives them a flattened response. They can remember the event, but they have no emotion attached to the event. Yeah. So coming off it, I guess, would do the opposite. It would over-exaggerate... It, it, it might, but they might still not have any emotion uh, to something that happened a year ago or six months ago, uh, or they'll have a distorted uh, memory of what actually happened because the emotion, the emotional response was flattened during the actual event itself. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my last question would be is, and I've read four or five books on this, but mm-hmm. I haven't really found that. No one really has any conclusive answers as to, okay, after so much time or so much whatever, it's gone, it's done, it's finished, and you're back to normal. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing on that. Is, is, a per, is the person permanently damaged for life? They, they don't have to be. It depends on the individual. I think some people can... Uh, you've got to remember, too, uh, the, the younger you are when they put you on it, uh, the more immature you will be. When you're drugged as a teenager... And you'll find this too when they're using the amphetamine groups as well, the speed for children. They won't have normal responses and they won't meet uh, events and th- crises in their life with normal emotions. Therefore, when they come off it and they've been on it for five years, they've really missed five years of, of maturation. That's exactly what he says. He feels like ten years is just gone. Yeah, that's right. Missing entirely. Mm-hmm. And it so frustrates and yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I think that's all I have. Thank you very much. And thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, it's an awful thing because I, I talked to so many youngsters who've been on various drugs. It's just amazing what they've done to them and the damage it's done to them personally. And some have really come through it with enough character and determination uh, and they really helped themselves get on. Uh, other ones will still have problems with memory lapses and various things, but it's uh, this is the this is the, the the combination of pharma and government. You got to understand this is really all one thing now. The drug society is, has been approved long ago, back back as I say, as far as the 50s, and even before. And some with some of the authors that worked for the the big foundations that worked with um, uh, the United Nations and the League of Nations before it. And now there's uh, Sean from Utah. Is Sean there? Hello, Sean? Hi. Yes. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to call and uh, mention the uh, the fact that I, I'd called a couple weeks ago and mentioned the whole of where you were talking about the abortion thing, and mm-hmm. I'd, met, I'd made the comment that they have the pill that allows you to take a, it used to be the day-after pill, and now it's the five-day-after pill. That's right, yeah. And um, I, I made the point that, it, you know, if they have this this ability to, you know, to produce a five-day after pill, then mm-hmm. they, 
would probably have the ability to do a the same pill to make your hormones shut down completely. Yeah. And uh yeah, I didn't have the internet for so long and, and um so I hadn't been catching up with your show. Mm -hmm. But it just so I didn't mean to get off topic there, but I people need to realize that fact that you know, it's never about they talk about abstinence, but it's you know, people are really confused about yes. about that. And I you know, it sounded like I misrepresented my point. I I know what you mean though. Um Abstinence has certainly not been promoted. In fact, promiscuity through all culture industry, and you got to understand the culture industry is an industry, and their job is to control and guide culture. Actors in Hollywood uh, actually re often refer to themselves, amongst themselves, as, as the culture creators. And they'll say in major speeches, we are the cultural leaders. So they give us all the porno stuff. Really, a lot of movies today, it's just violence and sex, especially the stuff for the youth. The youth. And again, the music again is part of the culture industry, and that's all they show. Um, but as I say, uh, as Julian Huxley said, the head of the UNESCO, first CEO of UNESCO, he said, well, we'll be able to get the children basically, um, very promiscuous, but they'll have no offspring, so that's okay. And they won't bond for any length of time with any particular partner. So in other words, they want a society where we're all on our own. But you have to understand, the UN also has put out articles in their own websites to do with uh, a type of corn and a, and a type of wheat they were experimenting on, and a rice, which um, would grow inside, it would grow itself, its own drug, which would cause uh, sterilization in those that, that ate it, and would be very handy in third world countries. That's from their own website. So uh, the, the, you're under total attack here. Because it's an agenda. These guys don't sit with a department on population control, which means depopulation, without actually putting it into action. And from the very foundation of these characters, going back even to the Fabian Society, which is heavily involved in them, uh, they talk to them about uh, ways to kill off the people humanely. Humanely. In other words, in ignorance. As long as it happens and you're ignorant of the causes, then they haven't done too much damage to you uh, psychically. You know, your, your, your mental abilities are still okay. Uh, so they, they can't fulfill their quotas without killing us off with cancers, sterilizing us and all the rest of it, because they, they don't ask for volunteers. They just go ahead and they actually do it. That's a hard hurdle for people to cross. They can't believe this. But hey, these are the same characters that are having wars across the planet and have killed millions already. What makes you think that we are any different back home? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a point I wanted to make is that look at the culture, look at everything that is promoted. Mm -hmm. is yep. the total opposite of, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's just not normal. So. Everything that's promoted is, is to bring in a the degenerate society where the old culture that was cohesive and made you stand up for each other is destroyed. That's the purpose of it. And it's worked very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you bring these things up, Alan, and thanks for all your hard work. Well, thanks for calling. You take care. Yep. And there's Jason in Ohio. Hey, hello. Hello. How's it going? Not bad. Um, I had a few questions. Um, I emailed you, and I'm not sure if you got it yet, but um, 
there's an H.G. Wells book that talked about the creation of sports culture. Mm-hmm. Which book was that in? Oh, I can't remember if it was a companion to uh, the Open Conspiracy. There was a whole a whole uh, slew of stuff. You you, you got to understand, like just like today, by the way, H.G. Wells didn't do all this stuff on his own. He didn't just churn out books by himself. He had a building given to him by the Royal Institute of International Affairs and subsidized too uh, uh, by the Fabian Society. And he had a whole range of people working on different aspects and so on. So whenever you see an author churning out book after book after book, you know they're one of their boys because humanly you can't do it. It's not possible. So, But anyway, he churned out a whole bunch at the same time as he did uh, um, uh, a brief history of the world in two parts. And he churned out also the, the, uh, the Open Conspiracy. Now, there's a short edition and a long edition to the Open Conspiracy. I've seen the short edition. I haven't seen all that's, that is cut out of it, but I've seen a lot of stuff definitely is missing from it. And it's the same thing with the second edition of uh, a history, a brief history of the world, you know. Um, they, they put two volumes eventually, one, and it was abridged. So whenever you see abridged, you know they've taken a lot out of it. You have to get the original editions to get the whole the whole thing. Because they were very open back in those days and what they were planning uh, it was even more far-fetched to the average person living then than it is today. Their plans would seem so far-fetched. But you have to go into the original books, and you will find them out there in used bookstores and even junk shops. But thanks for calling. We're back after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. There's an article about Canada, the new money that's coming in, the new uh, currency, uh, literally is paying with plastic. It says paying with plastic will take on a whole different meaning next year as the Bank of Canada begins to introduce plastic dollar bills. So they announced it in its budget yesterday that's taking steps to modernize Canada's currency and protect against counterfeiting, which is nonsense, of course, because... Um, uh, in fact, if, I don't know if you saw that uh, uh, Mumbai video, the link I put up there, you should see it, I put up a couple of days ago there, uh, of uh, the people living in Mumbai, the poor folk, uh, living on garbage dumps, recycling plastic, and believe you me, they know their plastics. One guy goes through all the different kinds, he says hundreds of them, he names them, a lot of them, uh, they know exactly what they're doing, so it's not for that reason, it's for other reasons, obviously, they haven't told us yet. It says they're less easier to copy, but see, that's nonsense. Um, they're also changing the coins as well uh, with a new composition of steel. You know, they don't even use brass or anything anymore. It's never going to use, you know, steel. I can't even see it being steel. It's something even cheaper than that. But anyway, that's the money changing. And they say that some countries have already used it, are already using it. Australia is using it, it says, um, and New Zealand, Mexico, and Vietnam. So that's kind of news to me, plastic money. And it'll be, I'll probably have a little chip in it or something like that, no doubt, just to, to track and trace if they want it. Now, Canada also has put out its uh, final cap-and-trade PDF from the government. I'll put that up tonight as well. You can look into it, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If the Explorer it gives me the speed to upload all the show after I've done the broadcast of the show uh, on the Internet, 
then you can go in there and it'll be up there. And it's quite interesting to read through it. It's very interesting indeed. What's also interesting too, the link I put up the other day to that, um, that Brown's, that lesser Brown advisor to the governments with his Brown report. Uh, you should read through that, the PDF, because it's plan B actually, is a plan A and a plan B uh, for the governments to follow. And one of them is right down to the calories that you take. You see, you're all be on bicycles, apparently, eventually, as we go through the years. Uh, I guess through the snow in Canada, we'll have maybe skis attached to the bicycles. I don't know. But anyway, uh, bicycles are the way of the future. And they say that they can even measure your caloric intake and how many potatoes you would need to, to, to um, pedal a mile or something, half a potato apparently will do you. So your food really is going to be rationed right down to what they claim you need personally, according to your work and your exercise or your traveling by bicycle per day. That's just, I'm not kidding. This is where all these scientists, big money went into this report. Big, big money. And the taxpayers paid for it all, by the way, through the government. This is what's coming down. And people will not believe it till it happened. Even then they won't believe it, you know. Most folk... Uh, I, I use this analogy that when you see people getting shot, either by the Soviets or the Nazis or whoever, when they're lined up in trenches and shot, then another row is put up there to get shot. You'll see the rows running. They're told to run into the trenches, and they do. They see their, their people getting shot. They run. They do what they're told. What would happen if you didn't do what you were told? I've often wondered. I mean, you're going to get shot anyway. But people are obedient to authority. And what goes through their mind to the last is, that will never happen to me. That's that's impossible. Not me. At the last second, something will change. That's why people cannot believe what's happening. Utter denial. From Hamish, myself, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.